And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing, possibly a masterpiece, or perhaps pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Take it easy, sweetheart. Hey, Justin, how's it going? I'm fabulous, Zach. Thank you. How are you? Okay, not too bad. I was sick on Sunday, and I don't know what it was. I think I ate something bad. Might have been a a little spell of food poisoning, but I think I am recovered now. I can actually hold down solids. So otherwise, yeah, not too bad. That sucks. Food poisoning is the worst. I know. It's not very fun at all. I don't recommend it upon anybody. Yeah. You got to wash your food before you eat it. I don't even know what I ate that gave me it, honestly. So I guess that's the scary thing is I try to go back in my head, but then I start thinking about food and I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. So yeah, got to quit licking your hands all the time. Pretty much. So what have you been watching? Uh, not really much, actually. I only watched um, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, just on a whim. I think it was on Stars. Uh, I've been watching some Rick and Morty just in the background. And then I watched Waking Ned Divine, and that is a very good movie. It would be fun to do one time. It's only an hour and a half, but it's a very heartfelt film. So I, I liked it a lot. Is that the movie where like the old guy's smoking and the lady says, hey, yeah, there's no smoking? He's like, no, the sign says... Thank you for not smoking, and therefore I don't expect a thank you or something like that. Uh, no, I don't think oh. so. I don't remember I don't that part. That is. Maybe that's uh, Mr. Guffman. Is that a movie? Waiting for Guffman or Waiting for Guffman? Yeah, maybe it's probably. From that. Yeah, no. Waking Dead Divine is about a, a, a very small town in Ireland, and uh, they win the lotto. But um, the guy who wins the lotto dies, and then they have to decide what to do with the money. And it's just kind of this funny mishap of a film, and it's very lighthearted. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you're into Irish movies. Yeah, I'm going to Ireland soon. So mm-hmm. I uh, I like I like the Irish cinema. Plus, they do some good work over there. Right. Cool, man. <laughs> I watched uh, The Boys season two. And I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring. That's about it. Yeah, I heard that game is hard. That's what everyone keeps saying. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. I feel like there's a billion exploits. So what do you mean? Know. Like you can just like cheat. Oh. Well, that's not fun then. <laughs> like, I mean, there's so many ways. I mean, it's not technically cheating, but like there's so many ways to just get runes and level yourself up that I don't see how anyone could have a hard time with it. But stranger things have happened. I, suppose. I, play, I played Ocarina of Time again, and I was I remember doing everything like all the beats and stuff. But there were times when I just kept dying and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And it just was uh, maybe it was a lot harder than I thought or using that joystick was a lot more difficult than I thought. But yeah, sometimes when you just go back and revisit a game, like your timing's just off. Yeah, it, w- it definitely was. To do with it. <laughs> I was getting very frustrated and I was like, this is fucking stupid. Ah! Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, like 12 year old, you could go back and be the game with their eyes closed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But as I became more cynical, I don't know what happened. So yeah, I don't know either. What can you do? So this week we're going to do a new movie. We're going to be doing The Batman, which just came out like oh, four days ago. And uh, very excited about that. It's directed by Matt Reeves, who you might know from Cloverfield, Let Me In, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War for the Planet of the Apes. 
and a uh, pretty good director. Pretty, pretty good. And uh, this film was written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Of course, it's based on characters created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The cast includes one Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, John Turturro, and Andy Serkis. The critical reception is pretty good on this one. You're looking at an 86% on the old tomato meter there. The audience ranked it at 89%. So there you have it. Uh, there's only one negative review right here in plain sight, and that comes from Chris McCoy from the Memphis Flyer. Says there's a good two hour film buried in this bladder busting three hour mess. So there you have it. Hmm. Um, and then one thing that I noticed was uh, a couple of critics uh, did some comparisons. Sean Edwards from Fox 4 Kansas City says delivering the best Martin Scorsese movie in years. And then what? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Anupama Chopra from Film Companion says an emotional noir David Fincher-esque take on the iconic character. And I'm like, okay, so the guy that wrote it and directed it can't even get his name put in these reviews. That's kind of crazy. Let's see. Carrie Darling from the Houston Chronicle says Matt Reeves transcends the cliches with a masterful, often tense and noir as night twist on the mythology that ranks the Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight as the best of all the Batman movies. So there we have it. Um, Let's see here. And then Noel DeLilly uh, from the Chicago Reader, and we all know how Chicago feels about motion picture shows, says Robert Pattinson shuts all the haters up with his vulnerable and terrifying performance in Matt Reeves' The Batman. So we'll go ahead and leave it at that. Uh, let's see here. The estimated budget is $200 million. In the United States, it did $134 million opening weekend, which is pretty impressive. And then you're looking at a whopping $258.2 million after just four days of release. That's uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. Especially as pan- the pandemic kind of winding down and mask mandates are being lifted and all that kind of stuff. It's good to see people getting back in the theaters. Yeah. However, in, even even with AMC that's such pumping bullshit. up the price, <laughs> I, I saw it in I saw it in Dolby Cinema, and it, it was at three thirty um, on a just like a Thursday or whatever. But it was supposed to start, and they had issues with the screen and stuff. And I'm like, they didn't figure this stuff out before they started the movie, so they're like, yeah, it'll be up and running in about fifteen minutes. And I'm like, okay. And people are like, do we get anything free? And I was like, yeah, so much for the premium pricing, right? Just crazy stuff, but whatever. So everybody wants free shit. Pretty much. For 15 minutes of inconvenience. <laughs> you, know, know. you know how they could reward me? Cut out all the commercials and the trailers. There were a lot of trailers. Oh, I man, was, it's like 30 I, minutes. <laughs> I could have done I could have done without some of them. I was like, yeah, this is a little too much for me. So. Yeah, that's that's a bit much. I anyway. like trailers, but that was a lot. So, well, so here's here's some trivia. Matt Reeves stated that Colin Farrell's penguin takes inspiration from the character Fredo from The Godfather. I like Fredo. Dies. I do too, but I didn't. When I read that trivia, I thought that was interesting because I thought that he was much stronger than Fredo. So I didn't. Uh, the only other take I could really get is that he was just playing second fiddle, I guess, at a certain point. But um, he comes into his own versus Fredo, who never does. Yeah, yeah. I'm very interesting. I wonder what exactly Matt Reeves meant. Yeah. <laughs> 
Matt Reeves also stated that his vision or his version of the Riddler was partially inspired by uh, the infamous serial killer Zodiac who operated in California in the late 1960s. And that was very apparent with the symbols and the mask and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Robert Pattinson revealed while screen testing for the role, he sneakily took a selfie in the bat suit as a memento just in case it didn't work out. I would, too. I would try to keep things. Colin Farrell stated that he went to Starbucks to try out his prosthetics and makeup for Penguin for the first time, and nobody recognized him despite getting a couple of stares from people. Huh. Interesting. Matt Reeves, and he's very, I can't tell it's Colin Farrell. If you would have said it was Colin Farrell, I'd have been like, bullshit. Right. Matt Reeves cites the Batman comics, Batman Ego, Batman Year One, and Batman The Long Halloween as influences on the film. And I believe there are other influences that he drew from, uh, even outside of Batman films uh, he drew from. So, very cool. Matt Reeves uh, about the Batmobile. I like the idea of the car itself as a horror figure, making an animalistic appearance to really scare the hell out of the people Batman's pursuing. There is absolutely a horror genre aspect to this movie, and I think that is right from the get go. And we will talk about that. Robert Pattinson stated that before playing scenes as Bruce, he would prepare himself by listening to either heavy metal or classical music, especially symphonies like those of Bach and Wagner and Wagner. Um, Very interesting. The juxtaposition of heavy metal and classical music, (laughs) two very different things, but. Synopsis. This is a spoiler filled episode for everyone. So if you have not seen this movie, please don't listen to the podcast or go ahead. Just ruin it for yourself. On Halloween, Gotham City Mayor Don Mitchell Jr. is murdered by a man calling himself the Riddler. Reclusive billionaire Bruce Wayne, who has operated for two years as the vigilante Batman, investigates alongside the Gotham City Police Department. Lieutenant James Gordon discovers a message left for Batman by the Riddler, but Commissioner Pete Savage berates him for allowing a vigilante to enter the crime scene and forces Batman to leave. Soon after, the Riddler kills Savage and leaves another message for Batman. Batman and Gordon discover the Riddler left a thumb drive in Mitchell's car containing images of Mitchell with a woman, uh, Annika Koslov, at the Iceberg Lounge, a nightclub operated by the Penguin, mobster Carmine Falcone's lieutenant. While the Penguin pleads ignorance, Batman notices that Selina Kyle, Annika's roommate, works at the club as a waitress. Batman follows Selina home to question Annika, but later soon disappears, so he sends Selina back to the Iceberg Lounge to search for answers. Through Selina, Batman discovers that Savage was on Falcone's payroll, as is District Attorney Gil Coulson. Selina shuts off communication when Batman presses her about her relationship with Falcone. The Riddler abducts Coulson, straps a timed collar bomb to his neck, and sends him to interrupt Mitchell's funeral. When Batman arrives, the Riddler calls him via Coulson's phone and threatens to detonate the bomb if Coulson cannot answer three riddles. Batman helps Coulson answer the first two, but Coulson refuses to answer the third. The name of the informant who gave the GCPD information that led to a historic drug bust ending mobster Salvatore Moroni's operation and dies. Batman and Gordon deduce that that the informant may be the Penguin and track him to a drug deal. They discover that Moroni's operation transferred to Falcone with many GCPD officers involved. Selina inadvertently exposes them when she arrives to steal money. As the penguin flees, Selina discovers Annika's corpse in a car trunk. Batman captures the penguin, but learns that he was not the informant. Batman and Gordon follow the Riddler's trail to the ruins of an orphanage funded by Bruce's murdered parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne, where they learn that the Riddler holds a grudge against the Wayne family. Bruce's butler and caretaker, Alfred Pennyworth, is hospitalized after opening a letter bomb addressed to Bruce. The Riddler then leaks evidence that Thomas, who was running for mayor before he was murdered, hired Falcone to kill a journalist for threatening to reveal embarrassing details about Martha's history of mental illness. 
Bruce, who grew up believing his father was morally upstanding, confronts Alfred, who confirms the allegations but states that Thomas did not intend for Falcone to murder the journalist and planned to turn him over to the police once he found out. Alfred believes that Falcone had Thomas and Martha killed to prevent this. Selina tells Batman that Falcone is her father, though Falcone does not know it. She learns that Falcone strangled Annika because Mitchell told her that Falcone was the informant and decides to kill him. Batman and Gordon arrive at the Iceberg Lounge in time to stop her, but the Riddler kills Falcone as he is arrested. The Riddler is soon unmasked as forensic accountant Edward Nashton and incarcerated in Arkham State Hospital, where he laments about failing to kill Bruce. He does not realize that Bruce is Batman, whom he idolizes and took inspiration from when targeting the corrupt. Nashton proposes a partnership, but Batman rejects him. Searching his apartment, Batman learns that Nashton has stationed car bombs around Gotham and cultivated an online following that plans to assassinate Mayor-elect Bella Real. The bombs destroy the breakwaters around Gotham and flood the city. A shelter is set up in an indoor arena where Nashton's followers shoot but fail to kill Real. They are stopped by Batman and Selina. In the aftermath, Nashton befriends another inmate while Selina deems Gotham beyond saving and leaves. Batman aids recovery efforts and vows to inspire hope in Gotham. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. Good job. So we both watched the Batman last week, and sometimes it's hard to articulate your feelings after watching a new movie, especially when it's a character you adore, in this case, you and Batman. I'm curious, what were your initial thoughts when the credits started rolling? I'll preface this entire conversation in the show with I am a gigantic Batman fan for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, I eat up any Batman material possible, any toys, any posters, any comics, cereal, all that Batman, stuff. Batman, the cereal, you yeah. eat that up. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Batman fan in the world in the sense of uh, like I'm reading every single comic, but I know a good amount. And um, I'm so if I get anything wrong, then that's on me. But um, yeah, I was I was definitely very excited for this film. However. I took a different approach and I made sure to only watch the initial trailer that launched at like uh, DC fandom like a couple years ago or whatever. And then I I, I purposely didn't watch anything else. Um, I avoided any t- types of like Rotten Tomato reviews or YouTube reviews or anything like that. So going into it, I kind of wasn't as excited as I thought, like sitting in the theater. I was like, oh. I'm about to see Batman. I'm really excited for this, but it wasn't in the sense of when I saw like the Nolan films in theaters. So I was already kind of not as excited as I probably should have been. Um, but the first 30 minutes of the film, I was absolutely hooked. I was, I loved every single minute of it. I thought it was so goddamn creepy. Um, Riddler scared the shit out of me. I did not like how he just appeared right behind him. I didn't like his carpet tool that he used to kill the guy, how how unorthodox he was in killing him and just how messy he was. Um, And I I loved, loved, loved the look of Gotham. I think this is the best iteration of Gotham, in my opinion, in any of the Batman medium. Uh, It just looks like a dirty, gritty city. Um, And we'll talk about it later, but that first 30 minutes of him narrating and explaining that he's been Batman for two years and he can't be everywhere. And then they do the three showings of the shadows with the criminals. And each time the criminal commits a crime, they're like, oh shit. Cause they see the bat sig- signal and then they see a dark alleyway and they're like, oh my God, the Batman could be down there. I almost had tears in my eyes. I was so excited. So I think the Matt Reeves drew me in hook, line and sinker within the first 30 minutes of this film, within the first like 10 minutes of this film. So I absolutely loved it. 
You know, that's, it's funny you mentioned that part about the shadows because I saw this um, this tweet where it was like, my favorite part while seeing the Batman uh, was a shot of the dark alley next to some criminals and the kid in the audience screams, Batman's in there, and then nothing <laughs> happens and the scene changes and the kid in the audience says, I'm sorry, everyone, I thought he was in there. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking it too. Like, yeah. actually, quite honestly, it fooled me. But I think that was a theme for the whole movie is it just kept me on my toes because I didn't know how they were going to approach it. I, I did actually kind of think they could have taken that cheesy route and been like, well, Batman's here and he's here and he's here. But just the fact that, you know, Batman himself and the symbol itself of the bat is the fear is what stops a lot of these crimes from happening. And Nolan touches on it in The Dark Knight, you know, when people are like, nah, not tonight, man. And that guy's like, you have a better chance of winning the Powerball than this, right? Mm-hmm. So, um. But but Reeves just did such a good job of making it so dark and brooding and, and Darrow and oh my god it was super super cool so I I absolutely loved the opening I don't think it'll it, it's not gonna beat the Dark Knight though because that opening is just perfection but this was pretty goddamn good I was I was so excited well that's great yeah I didn't uh, I liked it when the music was kind of playing like the Batman theme was playing throughout that first little bit yeah and um, you know. The whole idea of Batman's everywhere. I really like, even though he couldn't be everywhere, it was like he was. So I, I really dug that too. And um, about, there was a couple of things that, you know, I watched it with my buddy Josh and we were laughing so much at this serious movie because something just seems so absurd. Like uh, there's so much rain, like the rainfall was just intense. Yeah, like it was, uh, it was raining a lot. <laughs> it's like, where, where are they right now? This is like Seattle on roids. And I thought it was so funny. And um, it, it caught me off guard. And I, I, every time it rained, I was just like, oh, my God. And then like the flashlights. Um, I don't think you knew what I was talking about. But as I was I mentioned on Discord the other day, they, it's a very dark city, of course, because it's it's nighttime and everything. And I, I totally get that. But the, they're always shining these flashlights right at the camera lens. And I, I was just getting like J.J. Uh, Abrams lens flares. Mm. <laughs> I'm just like another fly, like in the vein of another Ethan Hawke movie. It was like <laughs> another flashlight in the lens. So I thought that was pretty funny. Mm. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I totally I enjoyed I it. Though. I didn't recognize that. I guess wow. I mean that was something that uh, for me, I, I I get it. Like I've had movies where little things like that have bugged me for sure. So I could see how that could be an issue for me. I just was so uh, involved in the world and so encapsulated by it that. That never, I didn't. That never even occurred to me. And the rain, the rain never really bothers me in in films. I mean, I get it. it any any noir film is going to have a lot of rain typically. Um, any dark film is going to have a lot of rain typically to hide some of the CGI. Even though there was a lot of good practical effects in this film, so but it just went into the grittiness of it. It made it the stakes a little bit higher. Uh, but mm-hmm. I can see how it could be annoying for sure. Well, I mean, I don't think I was annoyed. I was, I thought it was funny. And like, uh, there is a ba- lot of rain <laughs> and Batman walks a lot. I know he this does. is the most walking Batman I've ever seen. Like he, he probably walked a marathon in this movie to where it just always shows his boots walking in the rain. <laughs> I just, I started laughing. I'm like, Oh, here we go. It's the snail's pace. I'm walking all slow into this frame. This is great. See, but, but I, I think, and, and we'll touch base later on a different question on that. But I think that, uh, this movie does film kind of like a horror film and Reeves did take inspiration from horror films with it too. Like, especially from the get go with that dark alley. I mean, think of Jason or Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers and you're like, 
I'm not going to go down that dark alley or I, you know, someone's walking really slow after me yet. They still catch up to me sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Batman is for all intents and purposes, a Terminator in this movie. So I think that the slow walking was super effective for me. Yeah. I mean, one of the funny, funny Reddit comments I saw was like, this movie wouldn't have been three hours if he would have just walked at normal <laughs> speed. And I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. But, but he's still a raw, he's still a raw crime fighter and, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. So someone taking a bullet to the chest when you don't need to take a bullet to the chest, it's, this isn't your daddy's Batman. This is a different type of Batman and he'll figure that shit out in later films. But I agree. It was, there were times I'm like, damn, it was really effective for me. I loved the walking, but I do believe there were moments where I'm like, he could probably speed up a little more. Yeah, I, I, it's funny because like I walk really fast when I'm going someplace and I'm just like, OK, if I if I was like doing like a robot chicken sketch or something, I would have Gordon be like 10 steps in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> like turning around and be like, oh, I guess I'll wait. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, OK, it's funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, did you like what Reeves did with his take on Batman? I mean, is this is this what you needed for? For a new Batman movie, like a, a new a new fresh take. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, I I mean, I like Dave's reference. Uh, Dave Edmondson's reference about pizza He's like, even at the end of the day, pizza still pizza um, or some paraphrasing, you know, but uh, with Batman, I'll take any Batman I can possibly get because excuse me, because I just love Batman. And I don't know if I necessarily needed this film uh, going back to two years ago, but seeing it in theaters. Yes, I was hooked. I absolutely want to see what world he's going to build from it. I know that they're going to do a GCPD uh, TV show on HBO Max, which, you know, we were both fans of Peacemaker on HBO Max. Obviously, they do a lot of good content on there. They're going to do a Penguin spinoff on HBO Max. So I am 100% on board. I am buying what they are selling. And I think Matt Reeves is great. He he hooked me from the Planet of the Apes movies, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. I loved those so much. And I loved the third one a lot. I think that was such a really awesome trilogy. So I went in with, I tried to have hampered expectations, but um, I they were vastly exceeded. And so Reeves Reeves is the man. He, he really did an amazing job with this film, in my opinion. Okay. So did, what about Pattinson? Did he nail it as Batman and as Bruce Wayne for that matter? Yeah, I definitely think so. This is definitely a a grounded Batman. Um, Very, very raw. He's in his junior year, technically. He's got two years under his belt and he's starting his junior year, right? And he doesn't have his letterman's jacket yet. He'll he'll get there someday. But he he's just trying to figure out what to do. And he's he's using all of his emo rage and his hatred and his uh, his vengeance to fuel his actions. And He's he's isolating himself even from Alfred and from everyone else. Then, you know, when he goes out to the funeral and people are like, hey, Bruce Wayne's here and he's just he's the exact same as Batman. He's a brooding guy. And you're like, huh, usually Bruce Wayne's this flashy playboy uh, billionaire, you know, but he's not the same. So it was a different take on on Batman and Bruce Wayne. But I really enjoyed it. His Batman was freaking phenomenal. And honestly, he's probably my second favorite Batman ever now. And we'll talk about the, the other ones later. But he. Uh, I mean, time will only tell in the in the other ones that follow this, but I thought he was fantastic. I've been on the Robert Pattinson train for quite some time. Um, I know everyone wants to talk shit and say, well, Twilight, uh, like, fuck off, dude. Go watch other movies like Good Time. He's he's great in that or The Lighthouse. He's great in that. So even Tenet, I think he was the best person in Tenet. So 
if you can understand what they're saying in that movie. Mm. But uh, I absolutely loved everything that they did with Batman. The only criticism I will say, traditionally, Batman is kind of like two different people because you have Bruce Wayne, who is a flashy playboy billionaire who purposely lives that lie. And then you have Batman, who is the Batman that we know. So I think this was a really fun way to do it. And I just really, really enjoyed him. And it was kind of like a buddy cop film for me between him and Gordon. I loved how they had their own dynamic and Gordon was just like, no, I'm still going to keep using him, you know, but in secret. So Pattinson's a man, dude. Right. So a couple of things. One, um, you know, you mentioned the buddy cop between him and Gordon. And normally we have that relationship with him and Alfred. Yeah. And Alfred was barely in this movie. Yeah. What did you think of Andy Serkis as Alfred? And would you want to see more of that character? Oh, I so I loved Andy Serkis as Alfred because he was a younger kind of British intelligence type of Alfred Pennyworth, which is akin to the comics. But it, it was a bummer to not see him in it as much. And so I, I'm sure there was that was done on purpose or um, maybe there was a, a cut that he was supposed to be in longer. But I. It, it did make it a little bit harder for Bruce after the explosion happened and Alfred was injured. It made it a little bit harder for Bruce to really have a deep connection with him or, or, or care about him or make us feel like he cared about him. Um, but I, I, I think that was probably the, the, the one performance that I really wanted to see more of. Um, but I still think he did a great in it. I, I thought he, he performed well and, um, yeah, I, I, I love Andy Serkis a lot too. I think the man is, is a legend and he doesn't get enough love for, for some of his performances. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the Bruce Wayne thing goes, um, I mean, you're right. There wasn't a lot of contrast between Batman and Bruce Wayne and the Bruce that we did get, he was going to a funeral, so he was going to be all broody anyway. And so I did think that was weird that, you know, we never really got him like in a, in a fun environment with him smiling and having a good time and, and and being Gotham's hottest bachelor kind of thing. We didn't yeah. get any of that. Yeah, and we're so used to that. I mean, that is such a, a paramount thing and a cornerstone for what Batman is. And it's it's like what separates, you know, the the identity. People always make jokes or like, dude, he sounds like Bruce Wayne. It's like, yeah, but, you know, Bruce Wayne's this flashy playboy billionaire and Batman's this dark brooding figure. In this one, it's like Bruce Wayne's a dark brooding figure and so is Batman. It's like, oh, sweet. I just solved the case. <laughs> right. And so that's yeah. something that, that Henry Cavill got a lot of grief for with Superman was that his Superman and his Clark Kent were one and the same. And so yeah. I do think that that's interesting. I'm curious about the, you know, the praises or the criticisms for, for Pattinson's uh, Bruce Wayne because yeah. uh, we did not get sort of the the carefree persona that, um, you know, obviously he's aching and he's sad, but he is traditionally playing a part. Mm-hmm. You know? I think, I mean, I, I love, I loved how just, again, dark uh, Pattinson played it and um, like his whole nighttime thing where he has to, you know, use his contact lens to watch, which was an amazing uh, part, by the way, but the contact lens to do a play by play and write down kind of what happened throughout the night. He journals because, He's just nocturnal and mm-hmm. it's really, really consuming him. And you you felt that you're just like, this guy is is obsessed. He's not just out there to yeah. to rid the city of, of, of these evildoers. He is just obsessed with with vengeance. And <clears throat> I think he nailed it in that sense. You're like you see it in his eyes. He wasn't like a brooding figure either. Batman is usually like so Baffleck, right? 
Baffleck was this this Hulk in this movie. He was just a, a giant man who you're like, holy shit. And and in The Dark Knight Rises, um, or I'm sorry, The Dark Knight Returns graphic novel, he's the same thing. He's just a monster. So there's been different takes on Batman. And this is very much a younger in his 20s. He's big, but he's someone who doesn't really look like he could beat the shit out of Bane or like a giant guy, right? So I'm I'm curious to see if they're going to bulk him up for future roles or what's going to happen. But I mean, he I think he, he served his purpose and the suit worked really well for him. So I loved the suit, by the way. Right. So Pattinson, uh, he's almost going to be 36 years old. Uh, this this year he'll be 36, so he would have been 34 when he was filming, right? Because yeah, this the first trailer was like in 2020, right? So um, that is interesting that he's you know in his lower 30s. I think um, I think Christian Bale was around that same age, like 34 or so, uh, and when Batman Begins came out, I remember he was uh, quite young compared to like uh, Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, and and <clears throat> George um, Clooney for that matter, who was way older. <laughs> Well, and in the comics, Batman was about 26 or 25, or Bruce Wayne was about 26 or 25 when he became Batman, and so that's why I was thinking this is more like, you know, 27 is probably what he's supposed to be in this, so he's not, I mean, he could bulk up a little bit, but I don't know, we could see what will happen. I mean, Christian Bale got pretty big for his role in Batman Begins, honestly. I think he packed on like 30 pounds of muscle, Um, but Pattinson's a little bit taller than him. Um, it just, I mean, it, it worked for me. It, it, it really did. And I think a lot of it was the suit too. Right. So you didn't get like any like uh, emo Spider-Man three vibes from, no. from Bruce Wayne at all with his no. hair all in his eyes. And <laughs> okay. no, I didn't. I, yeah. I didn't just care. I mean, curious. I know you're not a huge fan of long hair. I didn't really care about that that much because I mean, even Christian, well, Bale, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was just, his hair was just always in his eyes and he was yeah. just kind of looking I, serious. <laughs> I mean, all the time <laughs> I was I was fine with it because it, it fit the entire it fit the entire theme of the film. And if they would have mm-hmm. sh- if they would have shied away from it, then I think I would have been taken out. But they stayed consistent throughout the movie. And mm-hmm. one one real cool, subtle thing I really liked is that they actually showed him with his eye black on. Um, that just goes to how realistic this movie felt, because in all the other movies, even Batman Returns, which I actually really like a lot, um, when Michael Keaton takes his mask off, he clearly has eye black on and then he takes it off and it's clearly gone. So <laughs> it's just such a weird continuity issue that they can't show Batman with the eye black on. And in this one, they're like, dude, we're doing it. And I loved it. I thought mm-hmm. it was so cool because it's like, no, leave it in there. It's part of how how Bruce Wayne would actually be. It's, it's how a vigilante would actually be. And I really liked it. All right. That's fair. So this movie had tons of big name talent. Were you are you one hundred percent sold on the cast? Were there any particularly weak performances? Oh, I loved all of them. I thought John Turturro, Zoe Kravitz was incredible. Like probably, uh, I don't know if she beats out Michelle Pfeiffer, but she was very very close to. She I loved everything that she did. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, Andy Serkis was great. Colin Farrell was so good. Um, uh, yeah, Pattinson was incredible. Jeffrey what Wright a- was great. What about Paul Dano's? Um- Riddler. He was scary as shit. When uh when you got when you finally saw him without his mask and just the 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 way his eyes moved and his laugh or the things that he would say, he looked like a very unhinged person. And I think you and I have talked about this where you're not a huge Paul Dano fan in the sense of he just looks like a creepy guy. He does. He looks like someone just, like in prisoners. I'm, I'm convinced he's like playing himself. It's and <laughs> and that's why he was cast perfectly for this. I was just like 
I don't like this guy. Like if I was in a room with him, I would be so scared because he is just out of control. I loved his voice in it too. Um, all the things that he would do is like, what's the price for the blind eye or whatever. And um, I thought that was really great. Um, so I think, I think Paul Dano really knocked it out of the park as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that there was really a, a weak performance. The only thing I really said was I would like to see more of Andy Serkis. Um, but uh, I mean, maybe, maybe like, uh, what was his name? Peter Sarsgaard. I think he plays Coulson. He was, I mean, he was solid. He's a good actor. And um, he was solid, but he was only in it for a little bit. So when the phone was ringing, I could not stop thinking about Big Lebowski where like phone's ringing, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like cracking up in my seat. Like, oh, my God. It I'm rang forever. Cool. He didn't answer it. <laughs> I think the Riddler would probably be like, Jesus, dude, what is the deal? I know, I'm just supposed to talk. hold it on the phone and wait forever. I'll put it on speaker and I'll go to the bathroom and come back later or something. Yeah. Make, make a sandwich. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of annoying. Also, I didn't like that Batman was like so close to him when there's a timer right on his chest and he's like, tell me the answer. I'm like, dude, you're going to get blown up. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, that goes back to his his being raw, thinking he can walk and walk up to somebody who has a gun and get shot in the chest and be OK. It just was very interesting. So I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I think the person who probably stole the show for me, though, besides like Pattinson was was Colin Farrell. I his penguin was so cool. Um, and I just I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with him, especially at the ending, how they kind of showed him looking out over the city um, uh, and and with the spinoff show that they're going to do. I'm I'm 100 percent hooked. Yeah, he, he was by far my favorite part of the whole uh, movie. I was yeah. I was really into Colin Farrell's Penguin, and uh, I can't wait for the HBO show. I think it's gonna be awesome. I mean, my yeah. it has it has made my expectations uh, probably be too high, <laughs> just because a it's HBO and b his character was awesome. So we'll see how that plays out. But I'm definitely very very excited for it. One thing that did bother me was was uh, Riddler's just mouth breathing. Like I was just like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Where the the winner of the of the, the the loudest mouth breathing award in all of Gotham City goes to the Riddler, and I did think that his uh, his motivation for being so angry was kind of weird. Like his orphanage was supposed to get you know retrofitted and 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 upgraded, and it wasn't, and he would, took it out on someone that had nothing to do with it. So here's something that I think that they meant to add to it that they actually didn't add to it was I believe that the reporter that was killed was his father and that's how he became an orphan. So I believe that he was using that as a the orphanage stuff of, yeah, like I grew up here and I had to look up in these people's ivory ivory towers like Bruce Wayne, you're not an orphan. You had everything handed to you. Um, and so that sucked for him. But I thought he was exacting vengeance, too, uh, for his father, which would fit the theme I don't remember them saying that, but I mean, the fact that the guy looked like Edward Nashton um, and uh, it was actually a, a nod to his last name was Elliot, which was a nod to the the graphic novel Hush, um, one of Bruce's childhood friends. Anyways, um, and that would fit the theme of the sins of our fathers, because you have Selena Kyle with Falcone, you have Bruce with with Thomas, and then you have Edward with Elliot. I think is I forgot his first name, but that reporter Elliot, and that would make sense because they're all um, products of what their what their fathers have done, or or the corruption, or the the things that their fathers have done, and and they're having to deal with that. And so that's what I took out of it. 
for the reason of his motivation, but maybe I was fabricating that. But some things I read also agreed with me. Mm-hmm. But maybe I just maybe it was never in the movie and I kind of made it up myself. I mean, that would make more sense. But at the same time, I don't expect to be at be, to be mad at you because of something your parents did. <laughs> if you right. had nothing to do with it, I'm not going to be upset with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this person's unhinged and he's crazy, but uh, that just seems that always struck me as weird. I, I was never I'm never a fan of the sins of the father sort of mentality. It's like I, the other person has nothing to do with it. Like a hundred years ago, uh, Armenians were were murdered uh, by the Turks, right? The Armenian genocide. Yet I'm not going to be angry with with someone's great 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 grandchild because the, of something that you know their family did a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So I always think that that's interesting. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. You know unwell <laughs> i don't have too many mental health issues that could you know come to that conclusion i suppose but yeah i do See, I, I always think that that's kind of lame i took it as him targeting the corruption and stuff like that right and just everything behind that but i think we have a question later we can discuss that on sure i just don't see how he could think that bruce wayne was corrupt when he doesn't when he was just a kid yeah. yeah 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 i get it so that's my whole thing but what can you do? So this Batman movie is pretty long, has a runtime of a whopping two hours and 56 minutes. Was that too long for you or did this film need to be that long? Oh, no, this is this is fantastic. I it's funny because like I. I think about it and I'm like, man, I don't like to sit for a super long time, but I actually really love long movies and some of and most of my favorite, like my top five are all pretty long films. I mean, the Lord of the Rings are my all time favorite and I watch the extended cuts for crying out loud. So I can't get enough of that. And with this two hours and 56 minutes, it felt like a like an easy two hours for me. I definitely want um, want more and I I could have sat through more. Um, I didn't have a problem. I thought they did a fantastic job with pacing in it. It was uh, it, it kept me on my toes. It was changing well. There, it wasn't too hard to follow by any stretch, in my opinion. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. I totally get it though. If it's if it's long for some people, it's um, it can be kind of hard to sit for three hours for sure and and be occupied with your mind. <laughs> so right, I I think that I probably would have liked it more if it was two and a half. Yeah, I think that I think that three is pushing it for me. Um, I mean, I didn't. I again, I didn't hate it or anything. I was just like, wow, this. I would like this, like the whole last sequence where the city is underwater and he's saving people. I would have cut all that out. Right. That would that but that would have never existed in the Cavender cut. <laughs> when so like a movie like Casino, uh, that's near three hours long, and I know you really like that movie. Do you feel like that needs to be cut at any moment in it? Uh, not for me. No, I I, I like what's happening on the screen. Right. Where the difference with this one was. I wasn't enjoying what was happening on the screen. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like, I, what I mean, it's like the to. yeah, like the water is over rushing. Then the, like the the mayor lady gets shot, but not really because she's fine and she's walking through the water just fine. And then you know he's got he's got to beat up all these bad guys because the Riddler has five hundred followers <laughs> on on not Twitter. And I'm just like, okay, calm down. And uh, he he's already had a long day. I get it. Batman's tired. Uh, but just watching him get beat up for 10 minutes didn't do anything for me. Yeah. I see. I mean, I think it's just different strokes for different folks for sure. Because for me, like I, like I said, I absolutely love Batman. And so this is like 
how gangster films would be to you. Batman films are like gangster films. I mean, I like I like like four or five gangster films. I'm not like. No, I know. But but you but it's I mean, you do like, you know, like Goodfellas and Casino and Godfather and stuff like that. And and they're they're very long movies and we don't have an issue with those. And um, I mean, I get it totally. I, I could see this as a two and a half hour movie. I just don't see me personally where you could cut anything because I think it was paced very well. But other other watchers, absolutely. I, I, I think it's justified to cut it down to a, a more manageable runtime, I guess. Mm-hmm. So rumor has it there's a four hour cut somewhere. Would you watch that? Oh, 100 percent. Without a doubt, it would be. It, once this comes out on Blu-ray disc and it's available to watch, I will wait purposely because it'll be on HBO Max, but I will wait purposely until they release that longer to cut. I want the extended edition. Gimme, gimme, gimme money now. So, oh, my goodness. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch a four hour cut of this uh, if they took the time to shoot it. I'm happy to watch it. And I know that. So there is that. Um, what do you call it? It's like a. It's like an un, unseen Arkham prisoner that is, you know, been pretty much identified as the Joker. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was a scene that was cut where Batman goes to him and talks to him to get in the mind of a serial killer. Yeah. And very uh, much a Hannibal Lecter-esque. Thing. Yeah. And I thought that would have been kind of cool. That was something that I, I wanted in um, the the Justice League Snyder cut was when we saw footage of Joker at, at Arkham. uh I was like, oh, man, it'd be so cool if you just went and talked to him to just kind of mm-hmm. get in the mind of a crazy person, you know? But no, but no. Instead, we got Batman saying he'd fucking kill him or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I'm like, whoa Batman's edgy. We get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That movie's uh, I couldn't five. That was like five hours or however long the Snyder Cut was. That was, was a hard long. one to watch because that, that was one that, I was, was like, for could have taken. Oh, was it? I was like, you could have taken a lot of this stuff out. <laughs> And all the slow mo. Well, remember, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of slow motion, but it's it's not a Batman movie; it's a Justice League movie. So That's there's true. a lot of different characters. That's true. It just uh, felt weird. Not but... to defend the Snyder. Anything, no, but, no. But there's a lot of lot of people in that movie. I agree. So um, now, did you have any problems solving the case? Because one thing I thought was funny when he was talking about like a like a rat with wings, I'm like. You mean a bat? That's what I was saying too. I was like, "That's an easy answer." It's I know, I, I know. And then like, fucking penguin was like, "Aren't you supposed to be?" <laughs> <laughs> I know that was funny. I'm like, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought this guy was supposed to be pretty good, but he's like, "No habla español." That was. <laughs> but I mean, but but that's the whole. That was the beauty of it too. I I was stumped the entire time. I didn't know what was going on, like the whole thumb drive thing, and then the URL. I'm like, what? Um, yeah, excuse me. I yeah, I was stumped the entire time, but I think that people forget that Batman is the world's greatest detective. And so making a full on noir film like very similar to the vein of seven is awesome because I love seven. And like I'm you know, I'm an investigator. I've always wanted to be like a detective. And so to see this happen is great. But obviously, you know, you have to have practice in investigations and Batman is still young. He's still figuring it out. I mean, he's not even allowed on crime scenes, really, unless Gordon is escorting him. And even when he goes there, people are like, hey, what are you doing? You know, you can't be here. So him figuring it out is pretty cool to see. Um, He's he's one of those backstage passes like in uh, Wayne's World where they're just like showing it out. (laughs) Yeah. 
Milwaukee. Uh, we he's but it, it's so cool to see him just learn as he goes. And yeah, he's gonna make some mistakes, and he made some really stupid ones. And Riddler called him out too. He's like, "Oh, you aren't as smart as I thought you were." And I'm like, "Oh shit, it's a good clapback." So yeah, um, yeah, I. I was a huge fan and I, I I did not know what was going to happen. Um, it did end up following the plot of Batman Cataclysm kind of where, you know, like a big event happens in, in that one. It was more of an earthquake or it was an earthquake. But then um, all of these all of the city went kind of chaotic. And I think that's what they're going to possibly continue on with now that the city's flooded um, and Falcone's dead. And now it's basically going to be all of the rogues gallery fighting for control of Gotham, which is how we have like Arkham city, the game and just the Batman comics in general, right? You know, penguin is always fighting a two face and so on and so forth. So that'll be really cool to see with this world. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the riddles. I thought that they were really great. Um, I liked the thumb drive thing. I thought that that was clever. <laughs> and it, this movie had funny parts. I know you guys were laughing and stuff like that, but um, I wasn't laughing, really. I don't think there were many funny parts other than a few slight nods in it, which didn't distract me from the pace. So I think that they they did a very good job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more just what was on screen that was making me laugh. They weren't saying funny things, per right. se. That uh, just it was just silly, and you know it's interesting. Like this whole you know you compared it to Seven in in a way, and I I didn't find it scary or or anything like that at all. Like I was never uncomfortable. Uh, you know, like even when when Riddler was watching through the window, you know, we get this whole like voyeur approach where he's looking through can him with the hear him breathing too, hear him breathing. Yeah, I was like, I was so distracted with the breathing that I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I also saw it in Dolby Cinema, which I think made a difference because it's I mean, for quite frankly, it's probably the best uh, audio you can get in any cinema. And it was like almost vibrating in our seats. It was so loud. That's why the Batmobile scene was was incredible for me. But um, yeah, it was creepy, man. The just seeing him behind. I don't like when people stand in the dark. I mean, even as I record this podcast and I can see my own video. I have a dark hallway behind me and I always kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if someone was just standing there? Mm-hmm. So it's a creepy thing, especially when you live alone. Um, but I mean, I was never alone. Yeah, I was hooked the entire time. And so none of that stuff really distracted me. I was just focused on it. So I found it to be very, very creepy at, at moments. Right. So we Josh and I watched it in the, the RPX. Oh, nice. You know, um, and it was it was so goddamn loud. Like I was at a metallica concert kind of thing <laughs> and i couldn't believe how loud everything was <laughs> i was just like holy shit this is loud um uh, like get off my lawn i turned into like an old man and uh it was it was almost too loud for me i was just like fuck this movie is so loud hmm. in my face making my head explode maybe they did um, have it too loud then because mine was loud but it, it was but it was essential it like it was deeper sounds it wasn't just loud to be loud it was like deeper sounds and it mm-hmm. It, yeah, because yeah. the whole idea is supposed to be like uncompressed surround sound, right? Exactly. And 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 it was. It was just making my head explode. Like uh, oh. the <laughs> Mars attacks. Uh, you know the the music playing, <laughs> oh, making yeah. their heads uh, blow up, kind of thing. The... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, are you actually a fan of of noirs? I know oh, we yeah. talk about like neo noirs, and, and we're into those. But what about like the classic, you know, like Maltese Falcon? Casablanca type stuff. 
Yeah, I really like the Maltese Falcon. There are a bunch that I actually need to watch. Um, I need to find where they're streaming, though. I mean, some might be on HBO, honestly. I think but Turner Classic Movies has a lot of them. I don't. Is that do they have their own streaming channel though? I think HBO has it linked now. So just kind of click on TCEM, and oh. you might be able to find some. Okay. Well, then yeah. So there we go. So yeah, they they. I think that they probably have uh, some quite a few of them, you know, like double indemnity is supposed to be like a really good one too. Um, the postman always rings twice. Uh, yeah. Maltese Falcon is, is fantastic. I've seen that one and that's, you know, a really awesome one. The big sleep is supposed to be really good too. Uh, let's see what else sunset Boulevard. I've only seen bits and pieces of that, like in film class and stuff. Um, but in terms of the more, uh, I guess more recent films or neo-noirs and stuff, Things like Zodiac, Chinatown. I love Chinatown. Seven, uh, The Big Lebowski even is a neo-noir. Fargo, Brick, L.A. Confidential. I think all of those kind of fit that category for me. Um, yeah, I always thought L.A. Confidential was like a character of a noir. <laughs> like almost like pretending to be one or like, you know, a, a some sort of weird stylized version of a noir. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always thought it kind of had like a fakeness to it. I mean, I, I like the movie a lot. I think it's awesome, but I always felt like it was just a like a a, a 1990s version of of 1940s movie. I could see that. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, I could see bits in that. I mean, I just really like the movie. So yeah, that's fun. Rollo Tomasi. <laughs> uh, yeah, The Killing. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's first film, actually, The Killing. I think it's his first film. Um, that was a 50s movie too. I need to watch that one. I've never seen that, especially how much I like uh, like Stanley Kubrick. Um, so yeah, I'll have to go on uh, HBO and check some of these out, but yes, I, I really love that kind of, you know, real hard boiled egg detective who has to solve a case and it's raining and it's dark and it's usually in LA or something's going on and there's mm-hmm. usually some sex and some violence and, yeah, and a bottle in the, in the drawer and the desk drawer. Yep. And there, there's always a twist and the, the gumshoe detective has something going on. So I'm surprised Batman doesn't have a drinking problem or some kind of addiction. That would have actually been kind of interesting if they would have uh, figured it out. I think his addiction is just, I mean, how... I mean, aside from just being like an, a workaholic and, yeah. and, and being just an angry man. Uh, but if he had some sort of like substance abuse or control substance, I don't know, something that was that, that he needed something to take the edge off. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I think they teased it a little bit with um, the the venom that he he pumps into his body. Yeah, so which, we should talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's got I the thought, old snake oil. <laughs> uh, I thought that that was a very interesting nod, and I think what they're going to do, and this is another brilliant aspect that I love Matt Reeves for doing, is he's setting up for future films. Um He's already talked about he wants to do a more grounded, realistic take on Mr. Freeze, which I think would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, uh, you know, Bane uses Venom. Mm-hmm. And if, if he could bring a different Bane into this world that is more of a South American terrorist who relies on Venom, not like this uh, Bane that we had in The Dark Knight Rises, which I, I enjoyed that Bane a lot, but I want to see one that relies on this Venom to to become something bigger because... Uh, that venom is essentially like a drug, right? And when Batman uses it and he realizes what happens, uh, it's a steroid. And I can't remember what comic line it was with Batman, but he takes it after he loses like a, a fight and it, it makes him insane. And he starts getting really, really strong, but it becomes a huge issue for him. So I think that was really fun foreshadowing. And he beats the shit out of that guy. 
And even Catwoman is like looking at him like, holy crap. And, you know, Gordon has to pull him off and stuff. Yeah. When he took his mask off, uh, I didn't realize that he was the one at the funeral that was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Upset. The one that. Yeah. And talking he, to Bruce Wayne. I didn't, Josh was like, hey, that's the guy from the funeral. I'm like, what guy? He's like, you know, the one that was like touching him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so then he had to like send me screenshots. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's what I, I think it would have been cool if he when he took the mask off. Just like mush, like falled out, like you know, just like a bloody, gross, like, like a wet sock kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, uh, just to gross. show that he was pulverized, just to, to to show that you know he is, um, you know, fallible. Like Batman can make mistakes. Yeah, and uh, I think I would have liked that. And you know, you mentioned uh, this this grounded Mister Freeze approach, and I don't know, did you ever watch the animated uh, the movie, the Batman and Mister Freeze, where oh yeah, he's he's trying to save his wife and he kidnaps uh barbara gordon to be like a fucking organ donor and stuff yeah uh that's pretty crazy i mean it's animated but i really like a a a humanized version of of mr freeze and someone that would do anything to save the woman that he loves i think that that's i think that's pretty romantic in its own weird and sick and twisted way well, that's why, like the Batman in the animated series, Heart of Ice is one of the best episodes because it, it it humanizes uh, Mister Freeze because that's what he is, right? You know, right. he's he's only robbing banks and stuff so he can pay f- uh, for his research to save his wife, and that's a pretty good motivation, especially in a line of uh, hero films where we're trying to find villains that we can sympathize a little bit more. Like, look at Killmonger and stuff, where you're like, you know, I can kind of sympathize with what he's doing. Um, I think I think that that would be such a fun thing to do in a new movie. And I was trying to brainstorm who could possibly play him. And I kept going back to some of the Skarsgård brothers because I really like Alexander Skarsgård and Bill Skarsgård. Um, I think that they could do a really good job, but I don't know who you would who you'd put in there for freeze for. Yeah, for Victor yeah, freeze. I don't know, man. Paul Paul Denny was the one that did that episode, by the way, of uh, Heart of Ice. Who did Paul Denny? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really good one. That's an early episode, too. Yeah, it way. is. I think it's in the first, first season. season. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and he's one it. of the most iconic Batman villains. You know, he, he we, we've only had the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, which was a, a amazing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Ice to meet you. <laughs> Chill. Chill. Yeah. I mean, it, it has its place in history. Oh, for man, sure. it's pretty terrible. <laughs> that Venom. I mean, that'll be so interesting to see with what they do with it, because I mean, they obviously want to bring it into the world. And everyone was like, what the fuck did he just take? I thought it was adrenaline at first, mm-hmm. but there's no way it was a different color. Yeah, it's like and, green or something. And, um, um, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting that can lead on to other movies was that uh, I never put a family name to Arkham. I always just thought it was just, you know, Arkham Asylum. And that was all there was to it. But, you know, they, in this movie, they mentioned the Waynes and, and the Arkhams. And I was like, oh, I like the sound of that. Or it could just be this place where people that, you know, dangerous people to to information, people that people that know too much are put in a place and, you know, don't belong there. You know what right. I mean? Where it's creating criminals. I thought that would, that could be kind of interesting. And they were sort of with with that kind of storyline with the Waynes and the and the Arkhams. They were kind of touching on the Court of Owls uh, storyline, mm-hmm. which. I think would be very, very fun to to get into. And they 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 have uh, the stuff for the for the makings of it. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many opportunities and so so much uh, freedom that they can do with this. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, 100 percent. The I, I did like the the whole the vengeance thing. And we'll talk about that later, too, because I, I knew right away. I was like, oh, it's the same guy from the funeral. Um, 
but how he said I'm vengeance and then instantly Bruce is just like fuck what did I do wait a minute no no I'm vengeance yeah he's like do you want to get punched again yeah wait a minute now that's that's my line yeah exactly get your get your own line yeah Get off my line. Oh, wait, that's different. So let's take away the murders that the Riddler committed. You know, he's, he's obviously done some some pretty horrible things. But could an argument be made that maybe he's not a bad guy? Could you know his point of ridding Gotham of corruption be justified? I, I mean, possibly. Like the whole thing with him and Batman are it's it's a ve- it's a very fine line because they're both trying to rid the city of corruption if you kind of think about it Riddler's going at, about it in a very very awful and wrong way and he's threatening to destroy the city and murder the mayor but yeah taking the murders out of it if he were to just try to make the people go away or something like that or or mm-hmm. arrest them then I don't know if there's that much of a difference honestly and so that's why I think the the whole thing about them being partners was really really interesting because it's like they, I mean, they both wear the masks. They're both very similar masks and they both want to clean up the city. Um, yeah, I think Riddler's more of a gotcha journalism TMZ kind of vibe <laughs> where he doesn't care who he hurts to yeah. get the information out there. Right. Whereas Batman's more like, well, this guy robbed his uh, quickie mart. I'm going to go ahead and take him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought it was interesting that he's just uncovering all that corruption, but um, and I guess, you know, maybe we'll see more of that in the GCP- GCPD show on HBO Max. But I think there there could be an argument made where you're like, you know what? The Riddler is not necessarily wrong. His methods are absolutely wrong. Don't. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. But right. take, take out the murders and he's he's trying to clear the corruption. Take take all that horrible stuff away. And you got he's not that bad of a guy. <laughs> I know he's got a heart of gold. He's a murderer with a heart of gold. Yeah, what could he do, right? Now, I know you had asked me, uh, you know, did I think that the Riddler knew Batman's true identity? And and that was one of those ones where, because he, he labeled them as, you know, they were partners. And uh, I don't think that he knew that he, he was Batman and that he got duped as far as that goes. But he definitely thought that that it was them working together. Sort of, I set him up, you knock him down, and we'll mm-hmm. take down the corruption in this city. Which I thought was... One of my favorite moments of this whole movie was that Riddler genuinely believed that he and Batman were on the same side. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, so I think that. I think that, yes, he, you know, he didn't know and he had me sold the entire time, you know, the whole Bruce Wayne thing mm-hmm. uh, and all of us audience members. And, and I think this is why Pattinson did such a good job is the entire time he's like, fuck, what do I do? He knows who I am. And then it's that subtle but we didn't get Bruce Wayne and he kind of looks and the music shifts a little bit and you're like, Oh my God, he doesn't know. Um, and then there are other clues in there too, like how the letter for the Batman was in a fireproof envelope. It's so that way he could have found Bruce Wayne's body and then said, see you in hell sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Riddler's very smart. And it, it, when you go back to his, his John Doe house straight out of seven, um, his lair, there are a bunch of uh, pictures of Bruce Wayne. It says like, you know, I know who you are sort of thing. And I'm like, that has to be, uh, he, he has to know who, who he is. And so I think what he's doing, and even in like Hush and stuff, um, I think he does know the identity, but he's not using that yet because he's going to hold it over Batman's head later on, especially since they kind of Joker said, you know, there's everyone loves a comeback story. I think he'll be in, in other 
um, movies. So why so not I play t- with I it? I took that as he knows, like I know who you are, meaning that he is also corrupt. Like he's not this goody tissues, oh. uh, goody tissue, like you know, billionaire playboy. That he is up to no good, kind of thing. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I interpreted that as. Yeah, I mean, I. I ultimately think that he doesn't know who he is, but I did read a pretty good, a pretty solid argument about like, there is a possibility that he, he might know. And, and he's just, I mean, cause that, you know, he's out, outsmarted the Batman quite a few times in his history. So I think that that would be really, really interesting to have that take on it. Yeah. So you use the word raw quite a bit today. Like you like this raw Batman. Do you agree with the message that there are, that there's a fine line that separates someone from doing the right thing versus the wrong thing based on vengeance or vigilantism? I mean, we talked about this with, with, uh, it's a podcast. So I had to talk about the hateful eight, but they talk about, uh, frontier justice. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, a lot of times it's wrong and more often than not, it's wrong. So that's the first thing that came to mind is, is Batman is frontier justice. Mm hmm. And uh, I'm curious what your take is on that. I think that was one of the biggest themes throughout the entire film. Um, you know, he he's constantly entering these these uh, places with police officers. And I I loved how it was just a POV shot, basically. And everyone is kind of looking at him like, what is he doing here sort of thing? And no one trusts him. No one knows him because this isn't the Batman we know. The Batman we know from films is everyone's like, oh, my God, he's a hero. We love him. People aren't scared of him. But in this one, he's only been in it for two years. Um, people don't know what to make of him yet. And like even the guy that he saves at the beginning, he's like, please don't hurt me. He's terrified of him, right? Mm-hmm. The, the cops don't trust him. They're like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, you know, Probably because the cops are all crooked. Well, but I mean, Martinez, who ends up helping at the end, he's not crooked. No. And um, barely help. <laughs> no, I mean, he's he's. He, he's a straight snake in a, in a barrel of crooked ones. Mm-hmm. And so, um, crooked yeah. as a barrel of snakes. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's, there's quite a, there's quite a few crooked ones and corrupt ones for sure. But like, I think that, uh, it, it's so cool to see him like this and using that frontier justice. But I mean, I guess that's where you have to toe that line in the film talks about that because he's out here doing what he feels is right. And this is all based on his, his uh, vengeance to um, vindicate his parents' death and be like, oh, I'm angry. I, I, you know, every criminal is is the criminal that could have killed my parents. But then look at what it's done. It's created people like the Riddler who thinks that they're partners. And I think that's one of the the coolest and biggest themes in any uh, Batman series or story. And that's what we see in the Dark Knight is it causes rise to other people, other masked vigilantes who think that they're also doing the right thing, but really they become the villains. Mm -hmm. So whenever you have Batman um, and you're allowing him to do these things, it opens up the floodgates for all of these other villains to rise up. And I think that that was so cool how they, they talked about it. Um, There's just like this misinterpretation of what Batman is trying to accomplish with this. And so his thin line of I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Um, you're not going to be dead, but you're basically not going to walk ever again. It's like, okay, but how is that? <laughs> yeah. How is and how justified? is that? Okay. Yeah. yeah how, how is that? All right. Yeah. And exactly. so like, that's one of the cool things about Spider-Man, right? Is that he just webs him up and lets him yeah. hanging by a pole or stuck to a wall. And it's the cops that ultimately have to arrest him. You know, yeah. Batman beats the shit out of these people. And that guy that 
got like his front tooth knocked out and his face <laughs> is a bloody pulp and he's going to be drinking food through a straw for the rest of his life. Yeah, and that, that's unfortunate. And it's like, why? Why is what he is doing? OK, why is why is Gordon? Because why is Gordon allowing him to do this? He's giving him access to all this information. And it's because he believes that they're not good enough. The the Gotham PD needs his help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The way, the way that it's a it's a sickness. This city has is is just overrun with rot, and it is it is just one giant seedy underbelly of terrible, and it has it has just corroded its 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 way uh, through the city. The basically its veins are are corrupt and tainted, and it's it's not good. And I mean, even even having Riddler using like the metaphorically speaking washing away the corruption with the with the ocean taking it over right that's just going to cause even more problems yeah <laughs> so, no, it'll definitely be interesting to see how this plays out when so many villains think they're doing the right thing you know in in sort of the the thanos vein where you know the greater good right yeah there's the same way he's he's okay killing all these innocent people that are attending this rally because of the greater good yeah and I mean, I think we, we see that, you know, uh, when he beats the shit out of that guy at the very end, who's who's for all intents and purposes, just a henchman trying to kill somebody. Yeah, he's a goon. And, goon number six. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, yeah, he, he shouldn't be trying to kill somebody. But Batman should do a couple punches and then move on. And we're we're foreshadowed with how ferocious this Batman is from the get go when he fights the painted face uh, gang and just beats the living crap out of that guy where even like if there was Robin next to him, he'd be like, Hey, calm it down a little bit too, you know? And so, um, which also fun little Easter egg, the guy who is the half painted face guy, uh, he actually plays Tim Drake in the movie tight in the show Titans. His name mm-hmm. is Jay Lycurgo. So I believe he, I believe he was in this film on purpose. I think he might be Robin in the next film. He's going to be Tim Drake. So that'll be very, very cool to see what happens. Yeah. Especially but, since he's, he's three Robins into it. <laughs> yep. well yeah and so i mean um and but selena kyle the city she was going to i forgot what it was called but uh nightwing hangs out there and stuff so i think if you just go ahead and skip all that and and you you put nightwing in this like skip skip, skip dick, dick grayson you could probably bring jason todd in and then you could kill him off with like joker um or you could just skip straight to tim drake which would be really fun and interesting to do but Anyways, back to uh, the Batman stuff. I mean, I, I think that he kind of became the very thing he was trying to stop when that guy is like, I am vengeance. And you see it in his face. He's like, shit, right? He knows he needs to reel it back in. And Gotham doesn't need vengeance. They need a hero. He even says vengeance won't change the past. I have to become more. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's when you see him evolve from that point. Sure. that He realizes he can't be this angry horrible person who does everything on his own, who who beats the shit out of people just for, you know, trying to take some money from somebody. He needs to lead the people of Gotham on a path uh, that that's, that's needed. And I, I like what you're talking about with, with the water washing away the sins. I mean, literally opening up the floodgates for all of the rogues gallery to try to fight for supremacy in Gotham. And in, Batman's in store for a lot of work. Selena Kyle says it too, at the end, she's like, this city, it's not worth saving, right? You're not going to be able to save it. So, I think that that was so interesting and, and such a such a fascinating thing for them to do in, in, in the movie. But that's what I meant by raw, right? We're, we're seeing this guy take a shotgun blast point Blake to the chest and 
every other Batman wouldn't do that. He would be fighting people and not a single punch would land on him. But in this one, he's missing punches. He's getting tackled. He's getting dragged. And he looks like he's he's still someone who's learning how to fight and how to handle a situation. Like mm-hmm. previous Batmans wouldn't knock on a, a, a the iceberg lounge door. They would just sneak in, right? And oh I man, think, those twins getting yeah, beat up that was so, so much. funny. <laughs> Every scene they were in, the next scene they just had a little bit more face damage. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, they were great. I love when he when he's like, "Do you know who I am?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "What are you gonna do about it when you come in?" But then when Bruce Wayne shows up, he's like, "Hey, Bruce Wayne, yeah, you can come on in, right?" Yeah, that was that was awesome. But I love how they did it three times because there's always that rule of three, right? And on the third time. Batman is just out or he just sneaks in and then locks him out. But that's him learning. He's evolving. And I I loved it about this film. Um, we're going to continue to see that kind of stuff that he's not invincible. He can't take a point blank shotgun blast to the chest and be OK with it, um, even though it was an amazing scene when he's walking down the hall and getting shot by, um, you know, at Falcone's club. And it's just that beautiful, darkly lit shot. And all, all that you have is the lighting of the guns. Um, very much like the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One for me. I was mm-hmm. just like screaming in my seat. I was so excited. But he's not going to be able to do that forever. He's not a young man forever. So uh, I think in this movie, at the very end of it, he learned how to how to tone it down. And he learned that that difference of doing the right thing versus the wrong thing can't always be based on vengeance. He needs to be hope. He needs to be Gotham's hope. Very much how Superman is, is Metropolis's hope, right? The S, it stands for hope. Like, no, it doesn't. Hope starts. Yeah. Hope starts with an H, dude. <laughs> Silent H. Yeah. Shope. <laughs> the um. So let's talk about the Batmobile because uh, in the trivia you mentioned that uh, Matt Reeves liked the idea of the car itself as a horror figure. Uh, did you see that? Did he pull that off? Are you a oh, fan yeah. of this Batmobile? Oh yeah, for me. So when I saw the concept art for it and then just some of the images in the trailers, I was like. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's like a muscle car. I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. But the reveal is what sold me. Uh, I absolutely loved that chase scene. Um, I don't know if it was the best chase scene. I've, it's not, not the best chase scene I've seen in a movie. That's asinine to say. But um, I do believe that I absolutely loved it in the sense of a, a Batmobile chase scene. It's probably the best one I've seen. Um, and so when I saw it in, in Dolby Cinema, just that everyone looking, you hear it revving up and all that kind of stuff. And it's a slow reveal. That was pretty terrifying because no one had seen it since then. Penguin is like, what the fuck? And he immediately when he kind of stalls out on purpose, almost he immediately gets in a car. He's like, peace and just leaves. That's how Mm -hmm. I would be, too. Um, But like, you know, how how almost indestructible it was and even how messy Batman was when he was driving. He's hitting trucks left and right. He drives (laughs) right through that concrete pillar thing. Um, Still absolutely phenomenal. The music crescendos at that point when he knocks over. Uh, penguin and that car flips like 27 times and he gets out into that beautiful upside down shot i think that was one of my favorite shots in the entire film and Batman's i was walking oh holy <laughs> shit yeah and it's raining of course but yeah um i mean it was it was so well done though and it was i i loved it so i think the batmobile was cool and it was menacing in, in a mm-hmm. certain sense more so than you know the Hey, baby, you want to ride in a Batmobile with me? Or whatever he says in right. Batman or, or in Batman and Bat Robin. Boy. <laughs> Bat Boy. Yeah. It's got that fin that splits apart. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm definitely a fan of the 66 Batmobile. That's one of my favorites of all time. I Convertible. love that. Yeah, it's so badass, though, with a separate. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, each one has their own windshield, which I think is really cool. Uh, but uh, I mean, I like the 89 Batmobile as well. 
uh, that one just caught me off guard when I was a kid, and I was like, "Fuck, this is so cool!" Mm-hmm. And I liked the shields that it was able to do, and I liked how he could control it and say, "Hey, you know, like, like come or stop or whatever the case may be." And I thought that was fucking bad. And like when he blows up all of Axis chemicals, he drives all the way through it. They're shooting at him, shooting at him, shooting at him, and he just drops the grenade, <laughs> blows yeah. the whole place up. Yeah, yeah. There's was- some there's some to be said about the '89 Batmobile. It was pretty awesome. I had a Hot Wheels car of it, and I loved it. It was my yeah. favorite Hot Wheels. It was so cool. And I like the animated series Batmobile. Oh, how yeah, long totally. it is, and that long like old a, windshield. It's like a TV remote. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fucking cool. It, I is, agree. It, just, it it illustrates really well on the TV when it's traveling. Mm-hmm. I think that looks really cool. Like I he's agree. going fast, even when he's going like one mile an hour. It just looks like he's going a billion miles an hour. So it's really cool. But you mentioned you know the music crescendoing, um, and you know the Batman theme plays throughout a lot of this movie, and it, and it almost reminded me of. Fucking uh, eyes wide shut, which is like the oh, piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept hearing dun 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 dun, and then it would go bing 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 <laughs> and throw in a couple of bells, and I was the whole time. I'm just like Fidelio, <laughs> yeah. Fidelio. Theirs goes dun 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 dun. Ours goes dun 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 dun. Ding. But Michael Giacchino, he scored this motion picture show. And what was your take on this new theme? And did it work for you? Oh man, actually. So before we we talk about that really quick, I do want to finish up on that on the Batmobile just briefly. Did you like the Batmobile in this movie though? Yeah, that was okay. Okay, I didn't have a problem with it. I liked I like muscle cars, so I thought I thought it looked really cool, but. I I don't know what it Josh was a and I different talking, Batmobile. Well, it wasn't even it didn't even look like a Batmobile to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it 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 is a Batmobile, obviously, and he, he's Batman and he's driving it. But uh, when I was watching it, I don't know I don't know what it is about me these days. But car chase scenes just don't do it for me anymore. And yeah. and I know my buddy Josh feels the same way. Because when we got out of the theater, we we're talking about it, and I'm just like, yeah, well, that's cool, I guess. But I feel like we've seen Fast and Furious might have a lot to do with this where <laughs> just every fucking movie has a car chase these days. And I've just seen so many and I, it's hard for me to really be blown away by them anymore. And this one was cool, but I, it wasn't like a defining moment for me to where I, I didn't even look at this Batmobile as a horror character and it being over overtly like menacing and everything. So yeah. I I'm I miss that. I I I can appreciate that this exists, but w- as I was watching it, that went over my head. I didn't even get it. I just was just like, he's one of those assholes on a motorcycle driving to the neighborhood at two in the morning, <laughs> trying to wake everybody up, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You're revving your motor. It's cool, man. <laughs> uh, to where I I that totally missed the mark for me. I I yeah. didn't even notice. Well, I mean, along the lines of the raw thing, I, I, I think what I love is how practical everything was in the sense of uh, his his costume, you know, the, the, the bat suit, um, his winged suit, uh, how he didn't know how to fly it necessarily. And his parachute got hooked on the thing and he just completely ate shit on the street. Um, and even just the Batmobile, it felt like a very much DIY Batmobile, like he built it himself. We see those scenes. And so I really appreciated that because all of this stuff seemed like, you know, I'm not wearing hockey pads sort of thing. Um, so I, it's like a, a attainable Batman in a certain sense. But yeah, I, I agree. Looking at it, I was like, that doesn't scream Batmobile to me, but I still really loved the introduction of it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's yeah. definitely, definitely cool looking. Uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. So I didn't realize you weren't finished. My, I apologize. Oh, that's okay. No, no, that's fine. Um, but yeah, with with uh, Michael Giacchino. Uh, so I didn't watch Lost, but apparently um, he did a really good job with Lost. Uh, I, <laughs> Lost. Yeah, I see. I, <laughs> it makes that noise in the theme song. Just yeah. Like, boom. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't know, but um, he did do a lot of video games. I know that he did like a bunch of the Call of Duties and stuff, which I think was really neat. And then just like movie based video games. Um, I really, really liked this theme of his. Uh, I thought it worked so well for me. It, it again, it fit the noir vibe. And I know the bum, 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 bum. And just how it, it builds up and crescendos and it worked for me. And I mean, it's it's so difficult because the guy is following, you know, Danny Elfman and Hans Zimmer. And I think like what Howard Shore, not Howard Shore, who did the other Batman movies might have been Howard Shore. Um, but Danny Elfman and Hans Zimmer, it's so hard to follow, right? And, yeah, and they're the only modern day that Batman I remember people. at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but every, every Batman song song is so iconic. Even the, the 66 Batman that, you know, no, 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 no. So it's, it's, you have to find something that can really last. And I think he, he knocked it out of the park with this. It was subtle yet. It was ominous. And, um, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I actually want to see if it's on Spotify. I probably should have checked before recording. It's on Apple Music, so. Oh, I got I might, it. I might have to start. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's like that whole bit is just like four notes, right? The dun, yeah, dun 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 dun, and then just move down the keyboard. Yeah, <laughs> the high pitch, the low but, pitch. I mean, add some bells. I mean, I'm not taking anything yeah. away from it. It's awesome. Yeah, I just you just hear it for three hours. I know. Yeah, it's, and it's it, a recurring theme you, that plays throughout the whole movie. You, it, I know. I, I saw that you guys made a joke on Discord about it. And I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I, I get it. And but like I immediately think of, you know, Michael Myers theme, right? It's it's like three notes also, yeah. you know, but it's so fucking terrifying. And I know if I heard it right now in my house, I would probably poop my pants. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that these criminals, it's either something in the way or this or that dun, dun, dun. Like if I heard that or I saw the bat signal and I was a criminal, I'd be like, yeah, not tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you can have your lot of winnings back, sir. I'm going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think he, he nailed it. And then I'm sorry. Did you say? Uh, oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, just um, what it worked for me. Absolutely. 100 percent, especially in that cinema. Yeah. And then if, if there were, I mean. For like me, there's a couple of standouts for his some of his music. You know, I really like the the reboot for Star Trek. I love the music in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote that down as well. That's a good one. Yeah, that's really. Anytime the Enterprise comes on my TV, I'm just like, oh, so awesome. It's so like <laughs> epic and heroic, and you feel like you're going to go on an adventure with them. And yeah. it's just, yeah. And it's the whole like, little. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I'm all like, of the. Bloop, yeah. Like the yeah. weird kind of, you know, functioning sounds with it, too. He's, he does Beep a very up, good job. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next time without the oops. So Yeah. Uh, but they've been working together for a while because uh, he also did the music for Let Me In. Oh, FYI. yeah. And he did um, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes and then the other ones, too. Yeah. Uh, Which he, was uh, Let Me In is that remake of uh, Let the Right One In, I think. Is yeah. What those called? yeah. Yes. I've seen both. Um, he did Jojo Rabbit. He also did Super 8, Jurassic World, and then Fallen Kingdom as well. Uh, Mission mm-hmm. Impossible, Ghost Protocol, and I think Mission Impossible 3. Yeah, uh, what's interesting, though, about those movies is I... Obviously, the music is a big part of it, but I don't remember any standout music. It, it's more of a giant collection when I'm watching that movie and enjoy it. 
Whereas there isn't like a song that just kind of resonates with me, you know, mm-hmm. which I always find interesting. I feel like when I'm watching like a Rogue One, you know, when they're on the planet, and it's raining all hard and their dad's about to get sniped. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is intense. Or when they're on the when they're on the, the planet and uh, they're trying to steal the plans and it's building up. And then all of a sudden the rebels start to lose like they have the upper hand, but then they start to lose mm-hmm. and they're all getting picked off. And the music's playing. I'm just, it's like breaks my heart. I'm just like, oh my God, I can't yeah. take it. But, but in, when I'm watching like The Incredibles 2 or fucking insert random action movie, I don't even notice mm-hmm. the music. You know, I think that I, that's interesting. I notice it from The Incredibles because it's kind of that fun, almost like 50s, 60s style spy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Speed Racer, he did the movie, music for Speed Racer too, which I really liked because that was more video gamey and that movie is very underrated. We, tr- we tried doing it on episode one time, but um, yeah, I, I think after reading his list, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, I did notice that when I listened to it, but I didn't realize how much he had done. So um I'll have to make sure I pay attention more. And I'm sure obviously he's going to get a lot more work after this as well. I thought you hated Speed Racer. No, I like Speed Racer. Oh, I, I, thought, I, lo- I loved it and I make everybody watch it, but I thought you weren't into it. <laughs> no, I liked it. I oh. liked it a lot. Yeah, from what I remember. Okay. So you obviously really enjoy the Batman. Do you Do you classify this movie, Zach? Now think about this for a second. Would you call the Batman 2022 a masterpiece? Yes, 100%. Um, I again, this is incredibly subjective. I could be incredibly wrong for this, and I'm I'm fine if 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 I am wrong. But I absolutely loved it. Um, I went in not reading anything, not seeing anything, even kind of after I didn't really read or see anything, and I just let it marinate for a little while, and I didn't find much wrong with it at all. If anything. And so for me, yeah, uh, I, I, I consider it a masterpiece. It's I, I but I'm a huge noir fan, too. I just I loved every minute of it. I wanted to watch it again as soon as it was done. So that's I like can, six hours. I know. I know. I really did. But that's just my personal opinion. Wow. All right. That's fair. What? Now, yeah. uh, if I had to guess, would you say that the only other Batman film to be classified as a masterpiece would be the Dark Knight. Yes, you would be absolutely correct. You would win that five hundred dollar uh, gift card. So now let me ask you this: <laughs> Which movie do you prefer over the other? Is 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 the Dark Knight still your favorite Batman movie, or did the Batman dethrone the Dark Knight? As of right now, The Dark Knight is number one, Um, just because that movie holds such a special place in my heart and everything uh, involved in that film is just so goddamn perfect. And we've had years, we've had a decade to digest that film. This I've had a couple weeks or a week, right? So um, only time will tell with this one, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, But The Dark Knight is my is my cemented number one for right now. We might mm-hmm. have to draw that cement up over time, but uh, yeah, it's it is cemented number one for right now. And I just remember every beat of you know when I was in the theater. I saw it three times, twice on opening weekend, once the week after, and it just it was everything I wanted and more. When it ended, I was like, oh my god! I looked at my friends and we we were all just kind of like, I can't believe what we just saw. Like that was phenomenal, and so. I think that kind of stuff really gets me. And and like my buddy John, who I saw it with, we were the same way. We were like, dude, like that was 
crazy. And we just, we, we had a beer afterwards to digest it. And we're like, like, what was going on? Like, what did you think about this? And I had so many notes. I'm like, fuck, I wish I brought a pen and paper. Like, that's what I said. But, um, yeah, I was taking mental notes. Like, uh, every once in a while, Josh would like kind of poke me like, and we'd talk about something really fast. And uh, I'm like, yep, I made a note. I made a note. I made a note because, <laughs> like, when it got to when it got to uh, Gordon and and Bruce with their flashlights in the yeah. orphanage, he was just like another flashlight, and I couldn't stop laughing because I was literally like another Ethan Hawke movie when I saw the flashlights. I thought it was <laughs> it was it couldn't have been more perfectly timed. I was literally just over the flashlights in the camera thing. I thought it was so funny. Oh, yeah, I, a lot I of was, mental notes happening. As I, I was trying to, I'm just bad at mental notes because I can't come back to them. I'm like, oh shit, what was I going to say again? So yeah, but I was, I was trying to keep notes as well. Yeah, no, that's funny, man. Uh, but yeah, it's we we stood in the parking lot for a good like 25 minutes, just kind of just chatting about the movie and and what we saw and what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, and that's the you meant, when we talk about the Dark Knight. Obviously, one of the biggest takeaways was Heath Ledger. And, of course, he had already passed away before we saw the movie. And so that may or may not have had an impact on people. And their, knowing that this was the last performance that they were going to see, minus like the whatever that one movie was, uh, it escapes me, where he was like, um, he died during the filming of it and they couldn't finish it. It took a hot second for... You have no idea what I'm talking about, right? With Heath Ledger. He died in the middle of filming it? Not, oh, not Batman. He died in the middle. Of, I, I said that it was going to be his last performance, but I, I misspoke. Oh, because the Imaginarium he died, of Dr. Parnassus? Yes, the Imaginarium yeah. of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah, okay, that's I the was, film that I couldn't remember. Yeah, I guess yeah. I was confused. Terry Gilliam, your buddy. Yeah, I couldn't remember the director. I knew if I remembered the director, you'd remember the movie. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. So when we watched The Dark Knight, I had said... Yeah, that was probably the last performance we were going to see of him, but that was the misspeaking because obviously he was going to be in this imaginary right. Dr. Parnassus. But yeah, I do think that that there was something special about that, knowing that that you know one of his best performances ever. I mean, Heath Ledger is a great actor, but when you saw this movie, it elevated him to like this legendary status, right? Mm-hmm. And I, that's something that could never be taken away. It's always going to yeah. be the Joker that everyone's going to compare to i mean jack nicholson was great in the 89 batman but i think that it's fair to say that heath ledger's joker elevated to a whole nother level that's possibly not attainable ever again (laughs) right i don't yeah i don't think that they're ever going to do any and barry keogh uh played the joker in this one and he's been in some other movies he was in dunkirk and stuff and i guess he was in eternals Mm -hmm. Um, who knows, you know, it might be a little soon to, to introduce a Joker, but at the same time, it's the yin to the yang. You have to have a Joker in a Batman film, in my opinion, um, or in a franchise, at least. Um, I think that it'll be, it'll be really interesting in, in that aspect. And the thing about the, the dark Knight or the, the Nolan films is those are a little more attainable for general audiences because those are more action films than they are really drama. And this one honestly doesn't have as much action as you'd think. Like there are good action set pieces, but it's a lot more of a detective story. And so it just happens to be like a noir with Batman in it. Um, right. So I so I think that that might be a reason maybe why some people don't gravitate towards it as well. But everyone who I've talked to, for the most part, really likes it. 
Mm-hmm. Min- minus you, who said you hate it. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> I'll take Batman and Robin any day. You'll, you'll watch uh, The Dark Knight Rises on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> that, honestly, I fucking, I swear to God, I might be at the point where I've seen Dark Knight Rises more than any other Batman movie, which is absurd <laughs> considering it's like one of my least favorites. Yeah. It just, there's got to be something there. I got to keep digging. I'll find it. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. Nolan's the only one that makes me fucking do this. Well, I, I take that back because I watch Prometheus a lot too. And that's uh, really that's sucks. another guy. That's really Scott. Just I know it does. I can I can I can say that now. I can I can yeah. literally accept that Prometheus Ugh. is terrible, and I'm okay with that. Or really Dark Knight Rises. I am not. <laughs> I'm not prepared to say I hate that movie. Yeah, I, uh, I, there's got there's got to be something there. So, uh, having said that, can you rank your top five Batman films? Uh, yeah, I can. So it's going to go the Dark Knight, uh, the Batman. Um, I'm going to go Mask of Phantasm, the animated one, and then I'll go Batman 89 and then Batman Begins. Um, And the only reason why uh, Batman 89 isn't third for me when it probably should be is, I mean, I grew up with Batman, the animated series, and I think a lot of this, too, is what you grow up with. Um, Michael Keaton is not my Batman, but it's because, uh, you know, I was born in 87 and I saw this movie, but it wasn't when it came out. It was later on in life. Um, and I was never, I didn't know him as the Mr. Mom guy or anything like that. Um, I think I probably knew him as Beetlejuice. So I really enjoy the Batman 89 a lot. And I always say, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. But, um, let's get nuts. nuts. (laughs) But yeah, it's, there's no denying that that one's great. And then you have Nicholson who's just so awesome in it. And Tim Burton created this amazing world that still is eerie and terrifying to me for some reason. I just don't like some of the imagery that he creates in it. It scares me, but it's awesome. So. Yes, yeah, I like I like the this fantastical Gotham where there's gargoyle statues at your local bank. You know, I think yeah. that's kind of cool. Oh no, its, it's, it's definitely way. it's definitely cool. It's just it's like, like I'm gonna go to the bank and then I gotta walk past like a giant gargoyle. Yeah. to get inside. No, it's definitely cool. It just <laughs> terrified me when I was a kid. I was like, I don't like how scary some of this stuff is. Or like the giant cat balloons and stuff. I'm like, some of this is just real creepy. Okay, so that's interesting that you say that. So, would do you think that that ten or twelve year old Zach would like the Batman? Uh, no, probably not. It'd be too dark for me. So, but I mean, you know, as I've grown up and watched films, I, uh, my, my tastes have changed a little bit, but I think if I were to do this when I was 10 or 12, I mean, it would probably be as much as I say, it'd probably have to be like Batman forever or Batman and Robin. And then I'd put like Batman returns in there. Um, cause those are the ones that kind of came out. I would put, I would have to put the Nolans in there at some point, but I wouldn't appreciate them as much as I do now, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think 89 would probably be one or two on my list if I was a younger Zach, because I'd be like, dude, Batman, the Joker. Oh, my God. So. Right. And so, you know, you mentioned Mask of the Phantasm. And that one's interesting because like how Matt, how I said how Matt, but how Heath Ledger <laughs> is for the live action Joker is very much how Mark Hamill is for the animated series. Yeah, you know, he is that Joker. And and anytime it's a different voice, there's always they do a good job, but you can't help but miss Mark Hamill's voice. Right. I like so especially I'm a huge fan of the Arkham video games. And so it was so great to have Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill in that just because, you know, anytime you hear him say, hey, bats, I'm like, oh, my God, it just takes me back to my childhood and such a good job. He's so creepy. But I mean, that's why a lot of people knocked some of uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, too. Some people are like, well, he's too he's being too serious, like they need him to be a little more jokey, like a, more of a Jack Nicholson. And I'm like, well, this is a different take on him. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and, and Mark Hamill was scary, 
And I still think the scariest episode was the, I always forget the name of it, but it's when he uh, follows a guy who has road rage and he basically yeah. stalks him. That's know? a good one. Yeah, that one is terrifying because the guy he basically flips off the Joker and doesn't realize it's him. And he's like, oh, shit, what have I done? Yeah, and he's then, like, I just cursed out the Joker. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you owe me a favor. And yeah. the guy moves away, but Joker still finds him. Joker is terrifying. And Mark Hamill does such a good job of being a silly guy. But you're like, he could kill me at any moment. So, yeah, that's a good episode. I like that one. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I always forget what it's called, but I like that one a lot. Yeah, he's good. All right. No, that's a good little list because like, I think for me, you know, I would probably say the 89 is my favorite. Then the Dark Knight. Then probably even Batman Begins. Uh, Then Batman. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe even Batman Returns. (laughs) I like Batman Returns a lot, though. Yeah, it's good. It's fucking great. And uh, and then probably the Batman. I think the Batman would probably be my my number five. But I think if with a rewatch, I know that when I walked out of the theater, I was like, well, I never need to watch that again. But I know that that's not true. I know that there's a lot of of Easter eggs in this. And and I'm I'm a pretty big Batman fan. And, you know, I've I read it's called Joker's Favor by the name, by the way. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. but I just had to look that up. I it was it was gnawing at me, and uh, actually came out September eleventh, nineteen ninety two. Holy buckets! I know, right? Crazy. Uh, but that was show was on every single day, mm-hmm. or at least Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. if you were lucky as a kid. They're all on um, HBO Max now too. Mm-hmm. It's exciting stuff. But uh, I, I think that there is a, a lot to take away from this movie, and I and I know that Matt Reeves is is a tremendous filmmaker, and every shot that he put in this movie, he wanted to be in it. And that had to be tough for him, it, assuming that there is a four hour cut that that had to be tough to make those decisions on what to what to remove. And uh, he's a very methodical director. And I am very anxious to get more Alfred. I like the Alfred and Bruce dynamic. And I think that it was the Nolan trilogy that really hammered that home and, and, and hit the nail on the head quite well. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I remember being devastated when he kicks Alfred out, he's like, fuck off, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a part of this anymore. And that hurt my feelings. Yeah. I didn't like that. I, agree. I, I, I can, I can always be mad at somebody, but I will forgive them instantly. I can, I can be like, Oh, it pissed me off, but I ah, forgive him. Life's too short to, to hold grudges. And so, uh, that really broke my heart. And I remember thinking, I remember being just so sad when, when you see Michael Caine just start crying because mm-hmm. he knows what's happening. I'm just like, no, I hate this. I don't like this at all. But, uh, yeah, that was trippy. And I, I noticed that, um, this is now two sort of not Batman and, and then like the Joker, the, the one, uh, with our buddy that we, Todd Phillips Joker. No, yeah. Br- Bruce Wayne was kind of a bad guy in that movie too. Not Bruce Wayne, uh, Thomas Wayne. Thomas, Thomas Wayne, Wayne was was uh, sort of this conservative type that that had uh, a different agenda, you know, and he he didn't want to help everybody, and so it was kind of a weird take, and I, we weren't really ready for that sort of thing. Thomas Wayne has always been this beacon of hope and and a role model for Bruce, mm-hmm. and to know that he went to uh, a mobster to try and and stop this journalist from getting information. I thought that was kind of an interesting take. And so 
it is it is interesting for Bruce to have to sit there and think for a second. Wait, what am I really doing this for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, hmm. For me, it's not a masterpiece. It's number five, but that could change. Totally. With time, man. We'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens with his world he builds. Yeah, honestly, it, it could be uh, could be pretty exciting. I, I saw a, an article where he said that Arkham was going to be a pretty big focus in, the, in his next one. Yeah, and that's why I think uh, using kind of this cataclysm storyline briefly, I mean, he uses a lot of like the, the Dark Knight Returns and he does use year one quite a bit in it, too. Um, but you see certain things in there that you could, you could have like, um, how in the Arkham city video games, there's different factions in different parts of Gotham. So like you go to Chinatown and let's say it's penguins crew, right? Or then you go to uptown and then that's two faces crew. And so all the thugs are two face thugs and it's very, (laughs) yeah, very much like a gang. One of my favorite uh, memes that I saw recently is. Joe Rogan looks like a, a villain in a Batman game <laughs> yeah. who, who, who would say with a thick a Brooklyn accent, hey, it's the bat. <laughs> so, and I was like, that's actually probably pretty accurate. So. Yeah, I beat the shit out of those games. I really liked them a lot. Oh, or I, I just uh, found my Arkham Origins game for my 360. And so I installed it on my uh, Xbox Series X and I've been playing it and it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. The mechanics in that game are super fun. That game was a little underwhelming, but it still has Deathstroke, and it's a very tough boss battle. So um, I I enjoy the hell out of those games. Yeah, I think Troy Baker is Joker in that game, too. He is. I like Troy Baker a lot. Me, too. The one time I was starstruck <laughs> was when I talked to Troy Baker. <laughs> I would just be, like, thinking of all the voices he's doing. I, I know. I couldn't even articulate his sentence. I felt like such an idiot. He put his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, it's okay. I'm like, like I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm all over yeah. the place right now. Like, can, can, you, can you just be Joel for a second? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck. It was so cool. I was just like, this is, I've heard this man's voice a thousand times, and it was yeah. just so cool to be talking to him. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, last question. Who is your Batman? Because you can only have one. I am only giving you one Batman. Okay, only one. Um, that could be that could be Conroy. That could be yeah. Christian Bale. That could be your Pattinson. You you do you, but you only get one. Uh, a lot of people think I'm going to zig when actually I think I'm going to zag, and I just need to go with Kevin Conroy. I had it written down as Christian Bale, but honestly, I think about what I just said, depending on what you grew up with. That's there's no wrong answer, by the way. Everyone has their merit, even George Clooney to an extent. Give him all the shit he deserves, but he still did a decent job, in my opinion, for the campiness of that film. But Kevin Conroy as Batman from Batman the Animated Series is where it's at. And one of the beautiful things that Matt Reeves did with the Batman is he showed that Batman is capable of empathy and he's getting to that point, like with Selena. That's why I loved their dynamic. And so the line when he says, you don't have to pay with him, you've paid enough, you know, like right when he's, when she's about to kill Falcone and he stops her and he tells her you paid enough. I mean, he's being empathetic. And one of his greatest strengths is that he can discern that kind of stuff. You know, he knows how to, figure out and learn about a a villain and see what's going on. Um, There was a fantastic episode in Batman animated series where Harley Quinn basically is acting a fool and Batman just stops her and realizes he's like, you know, she's like, why didn't you kick my butt for, for getting in all this trouble? He's like, I've had a bad day too once. And so I think that that's 
that's so cool. And I learned so much from Batman, the animated series, and we have such amazing episodes. Um, you know, when he feeds Solomon Grundy on Thanksgiving, even though he knows he's Solomon Grundy. So right. born, um, on a Monday. born on a Monday, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's so cool. And I, I really, really enjoy it. And that was in the, the long Halloween comic book, but they do, they, they have like iterations of that in Batman, the animated series and Kevin Conroy. It was such a delight to have him voice Bruce Wayne and Batman in the, in the video games. It really, really made those some of my favorites of all time. And so I'd have to say he's the most iconic Batman to me that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't see his face. Cause you could see him walking the street, but who is that? But yeah, as soon as he talks, I'd be like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. And he likes doing it too. He's like, Oh, I am the night or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He does that during uh, September 11th for the firefighters. He said that too. He's like, I am the night. I am vengeance. I am Batman. And uh, everyone was like, yeah, I'd be like, Oh God. <laughs> so I'd be like, if I ever met Sir Ian McKellen and I'd ask him to say, you shall not pass, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Or like when I meet Jimmy the King and I go crown me. <laughs> I will rule you. <laughs> what about you? What's your your one and only Batman? Oh, Adam West. I knew it was. Yeah, <laughs> hands down, bar none. Adam West is my fucking Batman. Love everything about him. I love his Bruce Wayne. I love the swagger that he has. I like the. I love his Batman. As as ridiculous as his outfit is, he fucking makes it look cool, man. I I love Adam West. Did you see the nod to the Adam West Batman movies in this one where they had the Shakespeare bust as uh, like sitting on the desk? Yeah, on the table. Yeah, yeah that was cool. I like yeah. that a lot, too. I wanted them to lift it up and hit a button. <laughs> I, almost, so. I almost bought one of those once. That'd be uh, cool. Yeah, but I was like, I'll just have to explain it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think people yeah. would probably get it, right? You get some red know. phones or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, the red phone. That's a... <laughs> another one people don't even fucking use phones anymore like home phones but if it's like under a glass fucking cake case yeah <laughs> there's an episode of hank hill where where he's like i answered the red phone <laughs> and he's like, who's on the other end of it commissioner gordon <laughs> it was an arlen's flooding and he's got to control the dam for a second yeah oh my god it's so fucking <laughs> Anyway, oh, yeah, man. a red phone and a bust. Then now we're talking. I'll put it on the bucket list there. That would be something cool. There you Especially go. Especially if furniture moves and there's a pole that's exposed, and I could slide down said pole into like you know my game room. Now we're talking. You don't see much in the way of revolving furniture or hidden passageways. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I don't even know who I would call to have that done. I don't know. I have to Google it. There you go. So uh, do you have any final thoughts? And what is your letter grade? Uh, yeah, I just I loved this movie a lot. Um, absolutely, absolutely loved it. It's definitely an A plus for me. Um, I would recommend everyone who wants to see it to see it in theaters first. I don't know how it's going to relate in in, in my house. Uh, very much like how Dune was just this visceral, incredible experience in the theaters. Um, I think that the home viewing of Batman will be interesting. I'm still going to love it. I already know it. Uh, but uh, take if you are a Batman fan, I really hope that you you like this film. Um, I don't know if you're going to like it as much as I do, but I absolutely loved it. So a plus for me. A plus. That's great. I am more in line with uh, I'd probably say it's a B minus for me. But wow. I, mean, I take that back. It's probably a solid B. It's a solid. B. It was a B minus. But after talking about it, it's now it's now a regular B. Plain old B. I'm right there in the middle. 
Wow. Okay. That's still fine. That's like 85%. I am curious if it was a two hour and 20 minute movie, if it would have been an A <laughs> or a B plus. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm just very excited to see what they're going to do with it. I want more, 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 more. Like I want Matt Reeves for president. Give me, give me more. Give me more. Exactly. Do you think that um, we'll ever get another live action Killer Croc in a Batman movie? I, I was thinking about that during this. I don't know because with how grounded this film was and how realistic, it might be a little too campy. Um, but I did like what Mortal Kombat did. Uh, not the latest Mortal Kombat movie, but that short that was back in like 2007 or whatever it was, you know, that came out. Mm-hmm. Where they had like Baraka was a plastic surgeon who put blades on his thing, and um, and Reptile was a cannibal who uh, serial killer cannibal who had like a skin disease. I thought that was interesting. So if you made Killer Croc kind of, I don't know something. So, so I thought he looked so fucking badass in the Arkham Asylum game. I agree. I think he was he was awesome in that. That's that's like my favorite version ever of Killer Croc. Uh, and if there was a way of doing that version, then I would say go for it. <laughs> yeah. But I can appreciate that this is grounded and that is and that it's not the case. But he's, he's very scary in the Arkham Asylum. He's just huge. Right. And he's he's so big, so mm-hmm. ridiculously big. But in the, in this world that that Matt Reeves has has made for us, that's all dark and rainy and gross. A killer croc seems like it would work. I could, I could potentially see it. Especially I could, if like heads are missing, like he's eating fucking people or something like that. See, he he that looks he looks different in um in uh, Arkham Origins though. He's not as big and brooding in um, that one as he is. He looks a little more realistic. Uh, one person who I saw who could play Bane in this world would be Dave Bautista. Mm-hmm. I would be a hundred percent on board for that if I could see sure. that. That would be so incredible. Yeah, great. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. Sorry, I was last. I no, love that version of uh, of Killer Croc, though, the Arkham Asylum one. Yeah, he is pretty creepy in that one. All right, and everybody, we will be back uh, with new episodes starting four eleven. We're going to take a quick break, so April eleventh is when we'll start with our newer episodes. And uh, if you missed out on seeing the Batman in theaters, it will be streaming on HBO Max. That's right. HBO Max on April 19th. So be sure to check that out. Well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, please remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgeYarmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Uh, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode as long as it is available and streaming somewhere and awesome. I know this one is in theaters, but it's okay. It was one of those premiere films that we had to pay the extra $5 to go see, and I was fine with it. Did you get popcorn when you, were, when you saw it? I got, yeah, I got a big-ass tub, and I got a medium soda because the medium was still like 32 ounces. Jesus, that's and a lot of soda. And I peed all those ounces out <laughs> as soon as the movie ended. <coughs> that is a lot of soda. That's a ton. I think the credits could have still been playing had I... Or uh, the credits would have been over, rather, if I would have went to the bathroom when the credits came up. But Man. I wanted to wait till the end. Oh, yeah. There really wasn't much of an Easter egg at the end. Just well, it was that website. Did you go to the website? I did. I was not good at the riddles. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it just what it does is it leads to the video of Thomas Wayne speaking at the orphanage, the thing where he's like, you know, 
with the, the video that Riddler showed them at the orphanage sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think so. it continues to be updated, though. Oh, cool. So keep going to it. Okay. Okay, well... Uh, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you enjoy it. Additionally, we are also available on every other major podcast app. Spotify is great as well. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy Podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Just please, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.